Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. Be sure to hit subscribe so that you get a good mood every week. Today, we are talking with Rob Schwartz. Rob is the son and editor of the new book, The Wisdom of Maury, Living and Aging Creatively and Joyously. This book was written by Rob's late father, Maury Schwartz, who is the beloved subject of the smash hit book, Tuesdays with Maury, which sold 18 million copies, the top all-time memoir about the meaning of life. Rob, I'm so excited to have this conversation. Welcome to the Good Mood Show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. You know, and Rob it offered a free gift to the first two people that reach out on our contact page, goodmoodshow.com. Uh, he's offering two physical copies to be mailed to you of his new book, The Wisdom of Maury. Uh, and, and the way this book came to be is really interesting. Rob, can you kind of tell, I know you were telling me the story, but tell, tell the story to our audience here about how, how this book even came to be. Okay, I'll back up a little from what I told you already. Um, my father wrote this book between 1988 and 1992 when he had retired from his university professorship at Brandeis. And I had been traveling around Asia. I was like a little pup then and come back to the United States. And I, in the summer of 89, I lived at home the last time I ever lived at home. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity to talk to my father a lot about this book and his ideas and his writing it. And we had great conversations. Then I went off, he finished the book, but of course I was living in Japan. I moved to Japan and a few years later, he got ill with ALS, which is where the Tuesdays with Maury book starts. Right. And then he passed away and this book was forgotten. He had put it in a desk drawer. He had never published it and it was forgotten. And years after his death, eight years or so after his death, I rediscovered it in his desk drawer. And, you know, it was like finding a diamond in the, in the bottom of a, a pile of rags or something like that. And as soon as I opened it up, it was big, bound with a black cover, a hard black cover. Um, I knew exactly what it was because I had talked to him so much about it. And I thought, like, wow, we should probably publish this after the success of Tuesdays with Maury. We have an opportunity to finally get this book out there. Yeah. And, and I've read the book and it is awesome. Uh, Tuesdays with Maury is one of my top all-time favorite books. Oh, thank you. Thank I, you. I, I read it 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm, yeah. A, I'm a huge fan of your father's. Uh, his, his wisdom has had a, a big, big influence on my life personally. One of the things that really helped me in my 20s when I was reading this book was the idea of forgiveness. Yes. And I, I know that's a topic of his book. And, you know, I, this weekend I watched the movie Tuesdays of Maury. Right. I didn't right. even know there was a movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're I mean, in I, it. Rob, you're in the movie. Uh, well, briefly. And not me, of course, an actor playing me. Um, but there's a lot to say about the movie. We can take a little detour to that as well. 
the book is fairly true to life. There may be one or two tiny things that are not exactly factually correct, but the movie is quite fictional, right? Okay. The, the, it was a made-for-TV movie. The way it came about is actually the same way that Tuesdays with Maury became a smash hit. Mitch released Tuesdays with Maury, and it wasn't a hit. It wasn't on any bestseller list, and one person got a hold of it. Oprah. And she, yeah, you know the story. Yeah. Oprah was so excited about it. She had Mitch on her show. She put it on her book of the month club. It skyrocketed to number one. And at the same time, brilliant Oprah bought the rights for the movie. Yeah. For the TV movie. And, and the so movie. that's how the movie came about. And the TV producers, you know, they added a lot of fictionalization. They made Mitch having problems at work. He never was having problems at work. They made Mitch not sure whether he should marry his girlfriend they were already married when he came back and met uh, my father okay okay there's a lot I'm of like, fiction going uh, on in uh, the movie. it did it was a really great story with him having the decision or not about it right, janine right uh, and how maury really had an impact on on his marriage but maury had right. a huge impact on his life and oh, uh, absolutely. and absolutely. you know i listened to oprah's podcast when she had mitch on the podcast and one of the questions that really struck me, again, going back to forgiveness, she, you know, she, she asked Mitch, hey, did Maury ever say if he had any regrets? And, uh, and Mitch said, yeah. And, you know, one day I asked him about that and he had tears in his eyes and he, he got really choked up. There was a guy he had, uh, had turned cold towards, who had turned cold towards him and they didn't reconcile and, he, and this guy passed away before Maury had a chance to forgive him. Um, you know, do you, did, did he ever talk about forgiveness being a big pillar of, of how to lead an exceptional life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Both the, the topics that you just touched on, forgiveness and, in fact, in the wisdom of Maury, as you probably know since you just read it, he has a big section on regret and how to deal with the feelings of regret and how to turn it positive how to take it and work with it. That's basically the overall technique, the overall technique of this book, not the specific technique, but the overall technique is how to take something that you find challenging and work with it. Obviously, the overall thing is aging, getting older. Nobody wants to get older and weaker and whatever, but you take that and you work with it and you make it something positive. And that's what this book is about and offers lots of techniques and ideas to do that. Yeah, he's, he, you know, he, he describes the top five secrets to living a long and happy life. And one of those secrets is strengthening human relationships. Right. And, you know, the right. book talks a lot about strengthening human relationships. What, what's important about this? Why is this so important? Well, for my father, it was basically the most important thing in life was your relationships and the time you spend with the people close to you, the people who you love, who love you. I mean, we all say that it doesn't get any better than this when you're with somebody that you love. I mean, you're a dad, so you know, there's no experience like raising children and that, you know, complete love that you have for them and they have for you. There's no feeling like that. There's really nothing like it in the world. And you can expand that to everything, to your friends, your family, everything. If you can feel that love for those people, and feel it from those people. Well, it doesn't really get any better than that. And my father really focuses on that because we all know that, but we tend to forget it or ignore it or say, I'll do it later. Or they, they make you angry. 
you know, people can make you angry and that gets in the way of really what's important, which is sharing quality time, loving those people, having them love you. Yeah. You know, and, and there was a quote from the movie that, uh, that stuck with me a lot. It was, you don't know how to live until you learn how to die. And I, you know, I've, I've been thinking about that quote a lot. And to me, what that quote says is that once you understand that you're going to die, that the, this life is going to be over or that the life of those people that we care about is going to be over. Now we can come back and live and appreciate that we're alive and they're alive. Right. You nailed it. I don't even have to say anything. You nailed it. That's exactly right. Because I mean, a lot of thinkers have said this, not only my father, but of course he keys on it as well. We all know we're going to die. He also said this. We're all, we all know we're going to die and no one believes it, which means that we all just pretend it doesn't exist. But if you really accept it and think about it, then you realize how precious life is and you'll forget all these like petty things that happen. We let all these petty things get in the way of our life. Oh, that person didn't, you know, say the right thing. They didn't exactly understand what I was trying to say. It pisses us off and it ruins our day. It's like, why? It's so unimportant. What's really unimportant is, as we already said, living, loving, having great experiences with the people in your life. If you can do that, you know, the tiny things disappear, you know? I think I remember a, a portion from his, uh, from the Tuesdays with Maury book where when he had ALS, he got to the point where he couldn't go outside anymore. But he would lay in his bed in the living room and look out the window at the tree. And he just, the, the uh, looking at a tree brought him so much joy. Right, right, right. Yeah. What, you know, why is that? Why, why can someone laying in a bed, you know, in the last year of their life, find so much joy just looking at a tree? Right. I mean, in one way, it's easy to answer that question. Another way, it's really, really difficult to answer the question. The easy answer is that, you know, my father really appreciated beauty. And it's the same thing that we've just sort of touched on. If you can appreciate life and all the joy and love that it's brought you, then your specific circumstance in that second doesn't matter. You have an overall appreciation of life and love and the people in your life. But really getting to that state is so difficult. You know, we're constant. Our attention is constantly shifting, especially in the society we live in today of whatever it is, email, text, you know, Instagram, social media, TV. This person is doing this. This person is honking their horn at us. Driving is such a hassle. I mean, you live in Charleston, so maybe it's not so bad in Charleston, but a lot of major cities in this country, driving is such a hassle. People cutting you off. You get angry so easily. And that's basically a distraction from what's important in life, right? Yeah, like just the beauty of the sunshine, of the blue sky, of a of an incredible maple tree. This just to be alive is such a gift. And and so what what Maury has really taught us, and and he's talking in the wisdom of Maury about aging gracefully, is that your life is precious and wake up to that. So every day I do this practice, I pick one person. And I write in my journal, I say, my heart is overflowing with love for, and I, it could be my daughter, Harper. Right. And every day I picture that one person that I write down not being here, the passing away. Wow. You know, she's only nine. 
Wow. But I'll, I'll, in some days I'm just bawling. Like I'll picture wow. walking into a room and her room being empty weeks after she's already passed. And wow. what I'm doing is I'm coming back to the present moment without this taking for granted thing that we're all going to live forever. Right. Right. So, and yep. I, and I try, I do this intentionally every single day to bring myself back to the beauty of being alive and the beauty of my loved ones being alive. I, and that's why I love this movie. That's why I love this book. So I love oh, the work yeah. that you're doing out there. You know, in, let me in, just comment on that yeah, for a second. Sure. Cause that's incredible. I mean, that's amazing. Um, I was about to say that's fantastic when you just said, you know, my, my heart is overflowing with love. But if you can go to that dark, the most, what is more of a, you know, life wrecking tragedy for a parent than using, losing a child, especially a young child. And if you can go there intentionally to remind yourself of how beautiful and precious life is and your child is, and it all is, that's incredible. It's incredibly strong. I think that most people could just do the first part and be <laughs> that my, my heart is overflowing with love for the people in my life. I, I have a hard time thinking about the people that I love passing away. Mm. You know, they're not children. <laughs> I don't yeah, have any children. We all, we all do. We all have a hard time thinking about it. And yet yeah. it's, it, it can bring us into how special today is so that we don't yes. get annoyed by the traffic. Or right. if we do, we could say no big deal today. Right. You know, in the book, your your father talks about staying human. What does it mean to stay human? What does he mean by right, that? Right. That's a great question. Uh, I think it's very related to the things that we've talked about already. For my father, it's staying true to the things that make us human. And they are the things that we've talked about. Loving people in your life, uh, relating, enjoying beauty. I think it's a very human thing to enjoy beauty. You know, I don't think that animals look at a blue sky and go like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Now animals exist in a very different way than, than us, but, but I really think that appreciating beauty, that's a really human thing. I mean, it seems abstract, stay human, but if you think about it, it's not so abstract. What do humans have that, that um, other things don't have? Appreciate beauty, understand the people who love you, and appreciate them both emotionally, but also in a thinking way, also in a, you know, in a psychological way, understand how precious and lucky we are to have that in our life. Absolutely. I love that you said appreciating beauty. He loved to dance too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I would extend it, appreciating beauty and appreciating joy. And dance is really just expressing your joy with your body. Yeah. Jumping around. Right. And, you know, my father loved to dance. Yeah. When he lost the ability to dance because of ALS, it was very, very sad. But concentrating on the good. Yeah. He loved to dance. And that was a big even when he was in his 60s and even in his 70s. He was still dancing. Man. Yes. Yes. Uh, in chapter two of the book, it starts out with a quote from Maury's high school French teacher where in French, she asked him the question, what's the most beautiful time in life? And his answer was now. Right. right. Why, why would he say in his late 60s, early 70s, that that was the most beautiful time of his life? 
Right, right. So there's two answers to that. And he also talked to, to Mitch about this. So it's funny because this is a real point of connection between the two books. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of philosophical ideas that are similar, but this is a point of immediate connection. So one reason would be, and this is what he explained to Mitch, at this age, he has so much knowledge and understanding of life that he can appreciate it so much more. When you're a young man, you're distracted by so many things, particularly in this country, success, building your career, making money. But when you're older, you have much more perspective and can put everything in the proper balance. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, when you're when you're aging, it's it's the most beautiful time of life. But philosophically, and, you know, my father was very spiritual and we can talk about that, whatever that means to our listener. You know, he was spiritual. He didn't necessarily follow any organized religion, but a spiritual concept is that, you know, it's always now. The past and the future don't exist. So the most beautiful time in life has to be now because it's the only time. And if you can really understand and and live in that concept that now is really the only time, you've made spiritual progress. That is a spiritual idea that is not easy to grasp and live. Right. We always living in the past and the future, and it doesn't really benefit us to do so. Yeah, that was the context I was taking away from it was that that now is the only time I can experience. So now is the most beautiful time of my life. And and to have any other thought that, oh, no, the most beautiful time of my life was in my 30s. Well, that's a suffering thought because I can't go back there anyway. And exactly. how do I even know if that was really the most beautiful time exactly. compared to now? Exactly. Now is the only time we can experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, rereading uh, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. There you go. There Just you go. because. So you sound like a very spiritual person, actually. <laughs> oh, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm highly spiritual and, and more along the lines of Maury. Yeah. And so that's why this book really resonated with me as well. And he he talks so much about spirituality throughout this book. Uh, You know, and and one of the things he says is being in the world, but also being in the spiritual world. Right. That's a part of the book. Right. Uh, What does that mean? How can we be in the world, but also be in the spiritual world? Well, I think it relates to exactly all the things that we've touched on. I mean, you want to be in this world in that you relate to it. You're also involved. I mean, this book also talks about, as I'm sure you remember, being involved with your community, Mm. doing work that benefits other people, especially people who need the help. That's extremely important to my father. And he talks about that in the book. So that's being in the world. But but being in the spiritual world is this understanding that life is incredibly precious, incredibly beautiful. And in some sense, that takes you out of the specific time and puts you in this general life, you know, just living in the moment. Right. And that's also a, a, a Zen idea and a meditation idea that my father very much he talks about in the book and very much experienced the last few years of his life. When you meditate, you're just immediately in that moment because you're trying to wash away all thought and just breathe, just be. And it's really, really hard. Right. It, it People, is. Oh, that's ridiculous. It's really hard. And when you do it, you understand the value of it. I meditate every morning and, uh, and it's a practice. I've gotten better at it. You know, like you just alluded to, 
you think it's kind of silly to be able to just sit there and not think, or it's kind of boring, right? As I've dove deeper and deeper and deeper into a meditation practice, the more I see I can go, like the further I can go into connecting with my breath and being in the present and connecting to this moment. My favorite part of the whole book was the last chapter and the becoming the best person you can be. And Maury uses a Yiddish word, uh, mensch. Yes. Yes. What, what is what does mensch mean? Wow. All right. Well, now I'm speaking, uh, you know, on something that's extremely important in Jewish culture. So I'm a little bit nervous, but I'll do my best. I mean, just basically, mensch means a good person. You know, mensch means a good person. Another way to look at it is a morally upright person. Somebody who wouldn't take advantage of somebody weaker or be cruel to somebody, something like that. That that's a mensch, you know, a person who really has strong moral fiber. But in a wider sense, a mensch is a real a person who is does good things in their community. Obviously, it treats their family members well, treats all the people in their life well, but it's also somebody in the community that everybody respects and does good work and tries to help people. So it has many, many different meanings, but I think those are the basic three, let's say. Hey, if you love to stay in good moods as much as I do, be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Good Mood Show podcast. That way we can get you a good mood every single week. And look, if you know someone else that could use a good mood, share the show with them. Send them a text message. Let them know about the Good Mood Show and let's brighten up the world. I love this whole concept. And he he described somebody with Mensch in the book, Alice, at age 86. And some of the words he used about her were gentle, strong, and a compassionate human being. Right. Uh, That she was present and she gave her undivided attention to people when she was with them. And that people that she was with always felt that they were worthwhile in her presence and that they were special to her. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good definition of mensch right there. I should say, because you you read a story of a woman, people who know German will know that mensch means man, literally means man, but um, it doesn't have to be a male. I mean, a woman can be a mensch, as you just read the story, and that's a perfect example of a mensch, someone who is fully involved with the people around them is not distracted or has some ego getting in the way or something like that. And compassion was extremely important for my father. And as you're well aware, since you read the book, a big part of Tuesday, I'm sorry, the wisdom of Maury, also a big part of Tuesdays with Maury. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, why I'm so into this idea of high moral character is that I do think it's the secret to happiness. This is the good mood show. Uh, A a Thich Nhat Hanh quote recently that I read was, um, anything you do that is wholesome leads to good feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that you do is unwholesome leads to suffering. And this to me is mensch. Is it, are, are my thoughts unwholesome? You know, if I have an unwholesome thought, it could be a craving or a desire in an unwholesome way. That would be an unwholesome thought. Well, that's going to lead to suffering. Or is my thought unwholesome about this person? Am I wishing them ill? Do I want revenge? Am I angry at them? Well, any of those unwholesome thoughts will lead me to suffering. 
But then the other side of it is, it's, you, you're not a do-gooder. You're not this goody two-shoes. It's always doing good just because it's the right thing to do. You're actually doing it because it makes you feel freaking awesome. Right. When I'm somebody of high moral character who cares about others, who's compassionate, who's gentle, who's understanding, who does the right thing, that leads to happiness. Right, right. Right. Uh, there's two things. I mean, you're getting pretty philosophical here, and I, I love it. I studied philosophy in university. So I think that, that there's two different strands there, but they both end up in the same place. You do the right thing because it makes you feel awesome. But you do the right thing also because you have empathy for the other person and you can put yourself in their place. So that's different than making yourself feel good. That's a kind of connection with humanity. And they're both important. It's not like I'm emphasizing one over the other, but they both lead you to do the right thing. And they're both extremely important in life. I mean, empathy is, is crucial in my father's view. Yeah, just one way you could sacrifice. Like, yeah, I'll do this nice thing, but I won't like it because it's gonna, right. it's gonna put me out of my way, right? right. Like if right. I do this for you, it's a sacrifice on me, but it's to help you out. Well, that doesn't feel good. Right. Right. It's, it's more we need to serve with an open heart and, and understand that as we serve others, we're serving ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I then mean, I, I can feel make... good about sac. It's not even a sacrifice. It's like, oh, right. no, doing this nice thing makes me feel good. Right. right. We, Absolutely. We, we both Absolutely. get to feel good about it. Right. Right. You know, one of the things um, that, that I remember from Tuesdays with Maury was death ends a life, but not a relationship. What, is, what does that mean? Right. I mean, that's one of the quotes from Tuesdays with Maury, as you can imagine, that had the most profound effect on me because my father's life ended, but the relationship did not end. And when he said that, of course, he said it while he was alive. And I realized immediately, it's one of those things that you realize immediately is true. You never think about it, but you re when somebody says it, you realize immediately that it's true, that you have a relationship with a person. And when they die, that relationship doesn't end. You still think about them. You still have all those feelings about them. You still want to relate to those feelings. But the person, the physical person is not there. Obviously, I think about my father all the time. I think about the things that he taught me. I go to his gravesite. I think, how would he have interpreted this situation? What advice would he have given me? That's a relationship. I have a relationship with him, but he's not physically here. And he really emphasized that. You know, he said, come to my grave. You know, the famous story with Mitch is come to my grave and talk to me. And uh, and Mitch says, you won't be able to answer back. And he's like, you you talk, I'll listen. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful, you know. And I go to his grave all the time. I actually live right now quite close to where his grave is. And, and do you get some clarity when you ask him questions? Certainly there's, you know, complicated things that you have to think about carefully, analyze or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, it helps. It helps to think about how my father would have approached it. You know, I can put myself in his mindset to a certain extent. You know, in that another quote he had said is, love is how you stay alive even after you're gone. And I think right. that's what you're talking about here. Is right. it if you if you really love people and you give them all this compassion and this empathy, you give everything you've got to them, 
that even after you're gone, your memory is still with them and your memory still stays alive with them. That's, that's absolutely right. And not only your memory, I mean, that's one part of it, but your deeds. I mean, if you put yourself into somebody else's heart and you really affect them to be more loving and more compassionate, then that compassion and love that they express in the world is being, you know, is part of you. Is that something that you're continuing to have an experience, not an experience, but uh, an effect on the world? Yeah. One of my buddies, this guy uh, named Matt Micheletti, uh, was coaching me a couple of years ago. And, and he said, he said something, I made him stop and go back and say it again. He said, I only spend my time on eternal things. Wow. And I said, wait a minute, yeah. what are, what are eternal things? And he said, well, I think anything that's not eternal is no longer worth my time. And I'm like, tell me more. Like, this sounds pretty fascinating. Mm. And he said, uh, making an impact in other people's lives right. is right. truly the only eternal thing. Right. Because as you just said, if I, if I pour my heart out to somebody and I help them become more loving person, their whole life has changed and then they might change somebody who might change somebody and the ripples be through time never exactly. stop. It's eternal. Exactly. That's exactly what my father was talking about. You nailed it on the head. Otherwise we spend our my, my time just making money. Like let right. me do this or, thing for my selfish reason. Right. Right. Or, you know, being unhappy or enjoying very fleeting pleasures or just flitting around from one thing to the next. I think that's the way most people are. Their attention just flits around from one thing to the next. And even if they're enjoying something, sometimes they leave it behind and go do something else because that's kind of how our society is. You know, it's so fast paced these days. Things are just being shot at you at a like rate of a thousand things per second, you know, so people get confused and, and uh, yeah, I think it's really important to focus on these things you're talking about. And me too. I need to slow down and be with the people I'm with. You know, here right. we are having this beautiful conversation. I want to be having a beautiful conversation where I'm all in with every person I'm with the way that Maury was talking about. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And on the other hand, you know, so I'll just put this in there. My father also talked like about the tension of opposites and how everything is sort of a paradox, right? So what you said is is beautiful and true, but on the other hand, I mean, maybe it's more like you just need to exist in that space of love, whether you need to, you know, be super involved in somebody's life or something like that. And that's that's the tension of just existing in a certain way, but on the other hand, being super active and super involved in things that are good for you and your family and the community, you know, it's, it's a, there's a tension there, you know, not that, that that's a bad thing, but yeah. Yeah. The tension of opposites was really an interesting take on life that he had. Exactly. And one of the, one of the opposites that I really keyed in on was this uh, time of solitude versus time of connection. Precisely. And, and, and he talked a lot about why we need solitude and connection, but we can, right. the pendulum can swing too far one way or the other. Absolutely. And it's not that you exist in one all the time. It's always going back and forth. And that's what the tension and the, the, you know, connection between the opposites is. And I think we do need solitude to reflect 
think about what we did, think about how we could do it better. And that's a lot, a big part of the wisdom of Maury is reflection on how maybe we can do things better. I, earlier I mentioned he talks a lot about regret. That's exactly what it is. Regret is something where we wish we had done something different in the past. So he takes that and he says, okay, you don't want to have that feeling. Let's think about how we could have done things different in the past and how it'll affect our actions in the future, how we can use this to do better in the future. Yeah. So then after all of this forgiveness with my dad, now we have the strongest relationship we've ever had. It's not that he's a cool person. He's, he wasn't Maury, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he had a tough life, man. Yeah, exactly. He had a super, he had a super tough life. And so, it, but he, there were a lot of good times when I was a kid, I, I kind of blocked out. Right. And then coming back to compassion and seeing he was doing the best he could, I started to remember the good times. And now we talk about like, Hey, I remember when you used to take me fishing. Right. And I remember you taught me how to ride my bike. I remember that we right. would go and go to ti- Tigers baseball games. I grew up in Detroit. You know, and so like he did a lot of good things. I just, you know, when you get so focused in on you weren't who I wanted you to be, you forget that there were good times too. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Also, I mean, this is a this is a little spin on it, but I think you'll appreciate it. You know, it gave you an opportunity to grow. That that tough, tough time gave you an opportunity to grow. There, there wouldn't so, be a good mood a show right now. Right. Yeah, there there yeah. wouldn't be a good mood show right now if I didn't if I didn't right. need exactly. all the work. Exactly. And now I get to pay it back with with this, you know, with this show and having you on the show has just been a, a total blessing and what an honor. Uh, oh, if if you guys if you guys love this conversation, again, the first two people reach out on the contact page. We're going to send you a, a physical copy. We'll mail you. So go to the contact page. Say I want the book Wisdoms with Maury, uh, and put your address, and we'll mail you a copy of the book. The first two people. If you're not in the first two people, I highly recommend go on Amazon. Get Wisdom with Maury. It's an awesome book by Rob Schwartz and Maury Schwartz. Rob, there's, there's going to be people that want to learn more from you. How, how could people get in touch or learn more? Absolutely. So uh, I have a website up. It's wisdomofmaury.com. So very easy, wisdomofmaury.com. Anybody writes to me on that website, I will write back immediately. I'm really eager to go around the country and talk about the book. If people want to have events, that's that's easily doable. And, you know, if people just have questions for me, then uh, we'll certainly be glad to respond to those. Um, There's a lot of resources on the website as well. Lots of interviews that I've done, TV spots, longer stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of information out there. And certainly people are are more than welcome to reach out to me directly. Wisdomofmori.com and the book, as you said, it's the wisdom of Mori, living creatively and joyfully, living and aging creatively and joyfully. And that's one thing I want to emphasize. In some ways, this book is about aging. But as we've talked about, this book is really about living. And I think everybody can benefit from it of any age. It'll have advice in there on how to live a more creative, vibrant, loving life. Absolutely. And you're coming to Charleston. I am coming to Charleston. That The date in Charleston is not completely nailed down, but it'll probably be the first week of November. The date for Hilton Head, which I assume is not that far from Charleston. No, it's only a couple hours, yeah. Right, is the 5th of November. But I think, I'm not sure if that one is open to the public or not, but there'll be a public event in Charleston. Yeah. 
Great. Yeah, well, and I have to say, yeah, you're from Detroit, so that's the same city that Mitch is in. So you have yeah. that connection. No, just, yeah, I mean, of course. I've I read his sports articles growing up. Yeah. Oh, right. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Mitch. Mitch is cool. a Mitch is a really cool guy. He does a lot yeah. of he does a lot of cool stuff with charity too. Now, well, I want to mention it because he does an amazing thing. I mean, I shouldn't say, but it seems like it's directly influenced by his experience with my dad. I think he would say that he started an orphanage in Haiti. And as some people may know, Haiti is the poorest country in the Western hemisphere and their kids there really need help. So if you want to do something great, you can find Mitch's orphanage in Haiti. I don't have the website in the top of my mind, but you can easily find it. And the orphanage is struggling. If you can donate to that, it would be a fantastic thing. Mitch does incredible work with it. He wrote a whole book about bringing uh, a Haitian orphan into his family, one who was very ill, it's called Finding Chica. Mm. And you may be familiar with it. It's also a tragic story, but he wrote a beautiful book about it. But I would strongly urge people to to help Mitch with his orphanage in Haiti. Yeah. Rob, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. It's not just the wisdom of Maury, it's also the wisdom of Rob. That's very sweet of you to say. All right, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.